Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. to see everybody. It's good to see everybody, especially with the fact that today is Independence Day. I got to be honest, I am like pleasantly surprised with how many people are here. And I've been seeing people watching online. I was telling the staff, I was like, guys, if we have five people, don't be depressed, all right? (laughs) Because it's Independence Day. People are grilling. And if you're one of those people who's grilling today or, you know, you're out at the beach or at a party right now, we're doing our best to not be bitter and hold it against you. Be praying for us, we'll be praying for you, all right? (laughs) But hey, I I do want to say welcome. If you are new today, please make sure you do not leave without letting us know that you were here, okay? Please let us know that you're here. And that doesn't just mean if today is like your first time. You could have been coming for weeks or months and you've just never connected with us. Make today be that day, okay? Make today be the day you're like, okay, I'll connect, I'll connect. Because we want to know who you are what's going on in your life, and get you hooked up to, on, uh, to what's going here at Cornerstone. Uh, so you can have a church family walking through life with you together. And then one other thing I want to say real quick before we hop in is make sure that you share and subscribe to us on social media. Uh, it's so important. It's not so our numbers look better. It's not so we have more followers. Um, if you were with us last week for our baptism Sunday, which how amazing was that? Awesome, awesome week. I had a, a bunch of people get baptized last week. And one of the awesome things, if you remember, uh, Sheila, she was one of the ladies who got baptized. And her story, how she even found out about Cornerstone was the internet, right? That's the whole way she even found out about it. Started watching during our How to Survive a Horror Movie uh, sermon series and ended up staying and, and getting her life changed here. And so whenever you share things, it may seem like oh, I'm just sharing a, a, a video feed, what does that really matter? You have no idea what that one small little act could do to change somebody's life. It changed Sheila's life. And you may have a Sheila in your life whose their life would be changed too. So make sure you share, subscribe. I'll tell you this much, it'll give everyone a nice breather on their social media feed to see something from our page instead of just more fireworks, right? Like <laughs> pixelated fireworks that no one cares about. Everyone's just scrolling past anyway. So Share and subscribe, we appreciate it. So today, we are starting this brand new series, Hack the Way Back. And how I want us to start off today, um, a, a question not just to frame this morning, but to frame this entire series. I want to ask you, and this is a hypothetical, don't shout out or anything like that, um, but who are you? Who are you? Um, there, there's many ways to answer this question, uh, who are you, this identity question. But typically, one thing that I've found whenever I, I've asked people about this, if I'm getting to know somebody, typically almost every answer to the question, who are you, is rooted in and it's grounded in the past, right? Just about everyone, whenever they answer that question, more than even giving you where they're presently at in their life, they dig into the past, right? Like I know for me, whenever people ask, who I am, like, who are you? Uh, typically, I start telling them about, like, well, okay, I, I born and raised in Akron, Ohio, lived in Cleveland for a little while. I went to Chapel Hill Elementary School, and I went to Coventry High School, and I went to the University of Akron, Ohio Christian University. Right? I'm giving all of these things, all these descriptors about myself, but all of them are rooted in the past, right? They're all rooted in the past. And that's, that's good because the, the past, it, it helps. It gives us information that we need. A lot of fun things 
could have happened in our past that define us and define who we are. Um, I didn't wear this shirt today just because it's really cool, which it is, right? Any shirt that has the ultimate warrior on it is a good shirt. It just is. Um, <laughs> but I, I got this shirt because I was at Target the other day and I'm walking down. Um, every time I go to Target, even if I'm going there for like, you know, groceries or something, I have to stop by the clearance rack in the men's section. Yep, give it up for the clearance rack at Target. Yes. <laughs> we need to get a Target sponsorship at the church, see if they can throw some money our way. Um, but I, I go to the clearance rack every single time just to see what they have. And as I was walking by the men's section, I was like, had to stop and do a double take because I saw this magnificent shirt hanging up. And I saw it was normally like 13 bucks and it was only eight. And I'm like, oh, well, I got WrestleMania six. I got to get this shirt. I, and I love it because I remember... This WrestleMania, like I, as I was growing up, I feel like I grew up in the golden age of wrestling. I loved it. Like I loved pro wrestling. I thought it was all real. I thought these people hated each other and these rivalries were legit. It like threw me for a loop when I realized that this was all fake and these guys were actually friends outside of this. Um, but man, I, I, I loved wrestling. I loved everything about it. Me and my brother and our friends, we would rent all the pay-per-views, right? WrestleMania and SummerSlam and they're just, they're fantastic, right? The ladder match and the Undertaker would have the coffin match. And these things were so cool. I had like a little wrestling ring. I still have a lot of my little wrestling toys. Um, this is the coolest thing. My brother, his one friend, Sean Seacrest, his dad, I can't even remember what he did, but it was something with like metallurgy. And he made us a legit championship belt. It was the coolest thing ever. I don't know what happened to it, um, but it had like leather. It was like a leather belt, a, a big one, looks just like it. And it had actual metal on it and he had it engraved. It said WWF championship belt and everything. I mean, we thought that was the coolest thing, slapping it over our shoulder and walking around the house with it. Like, this is so cool, man. I love wrestling. We could, um, like every finishing move we knew, like Shawn Michaels, Sweet Chin Music and uh, the sharpshooter for Bret Hart, like all these things, and we would practice them on each other and just not smart, like little 12-year-old kids like beating the tar out of each other, trying to get them in these submission holds. Um, but man, it was, it was so much fun. And all of that came flooding back to me the second I saw this shirt. Like as I'm just walking by and I see the shirt, all of that stuff. I talked to my mom in between, in between uh, services. She was saying the same thing. She's like, man, that's so funny you saying all that. It made me take a trip down memory lane, thinking about all these, these fun times and uh, just everyone coming over our house to watch these. Uh, but the thing is, whenever you take a trip down memory lane, it's not always a fun trip. Like it's just, it's not. And so as I'm going down this memory lane trip, I'm also remembering things that like, like whenever we would wrestle, sometimes we'd actually get hurt. Not like, oh, that kind of hurt, like legit hurt. <laughs> and I, re I remember that. And I remember us getting in fights with like me and my brother and me and my friends because like, hey, you did that too hard and that, that wasn't cool. And, and I remember watching wrestling. I can still, this is how crazy it is. I can still remember the moment I like stopped watching because my favorite wrestler was Shawn Michaels, the heartbreak kid. And I remember the match that he lost to Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania and it like ended it for me. I was like, this is, I'm, it's over. He's my favorite wrestler. And he actually in real life got injured from it and didn't wrestle anymore because he didn't want to uh, re-aggravate it. It was like a spinal injury and he just didn't want to chance it. And that was like whenever I was out. I'm like, I don't want to watch it anymore. So at the same time that I'm having all these fun memories, I remember these things. And I'm like, oh yeah, I remember us kind of like beating up on each other and getting at each other's throats about stuff. And man, and isn't that how the past is? 
Like that's how, that's how the trip down memory lane goes. Just how there is a main street in every single town you visit, like every town across the board has a main street. It doesn't matter if it's a good town or a bad town, <laughs> they got a main street. Every single town, no matter how good or how fun, has a memory lane in it. And so we remember the good, but man, there is bad there too. There is stuff that hurts, stuff that uh, uh, makes us feel a little bit squeamish, stuff that makes us say ouch whenever we remember it. Um, Some of the the things maybe that we've said, some of the things that we've done, some of the ways that we have treated people. And you want to know what's really crazy too is I've noticed as I was thinking on this sermon, I'm like, man, some of the stuff in my past that's hurtful or that brings shame or guilt Man, I can remember that with so much more clarity than even the fun stuff. Isn't that crazy? Like some of the things that I can remember with like acute detail are the things that hurt the most, are the ways that I let people down the most. I, I can remember how I felt. I can remember what I was wearing. I can remember all of this the day I stole a little Scooby-Doo mystery machine Hot Wheels from Mark's on Waterloo Road. <laughs> like I remember I remember everything because I can still, I'm not kidding you, I can still, I was a little kid, I can still feel the shame that I put on myself knowing that this was a wrong thing. I can still remember having to tell the, the, the manager that I'm sorry as we returned it. My mom, we come home and she's like, I, I would have remembered buying the mystery machine. Like, I don't, I know you took that. Um, and so I remember this. I remember and it felt, man, it's still even today. There's a little like, it's embarrassing and it hurts, and you remember all of those feelings, all that like squeamish stuff that you have. And so I, I think about that, and I think about that's how our past is, and I relate it to the song we just sang, Jesus Paid It All, right? And that's an amazing thing. Our entire faith is based on the fact that Jesus paid it all, but the hard part is, is while Jesus paid it all, I remember it all. Like I, I'm acutely aware of what he paid for me. And while it makes me so grateful, it also hurts because I know, man, I've hurt people. Man, I've done things I shouldn't have done. Man, I've said things I shouldn't have said, and it can hurt. The past can hurt. And so I think about, um, this is from 1 John chapter 1. I, I love this. It's one of the most beautiful verses in all scripture. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I mean, that's what we're singing about. That's what we worship God for, that he will forgive us. The question is, is can we forget? Because <laughs> it's not a question of whether or not he can forgive us. We know he can. The question is, can we forget our past? Like, can we actually wrestle with our past and get over it? Because if we don't, it won't lead anywhere good. It won't lead anywhere good. It will lead us to death and destruction in our life and in our relationships and with the purpose that God had in mind for us. So with that in mind, I kind of want to shift metaphors real quick, all right? So we've been talking about taking a stroll down memory lane. That's kind of a, a dated metaphor. You know that phrase, taking a stroll down memory lane, it actually originated back in like the 1800s? the late 1800s. So we'll, we'll update this idea of memory lane a little bit today. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Wayback Machine. The Wayback Machine. Has anyone ever heard of the Wayback Machine? So not a lot of Mr. Peabody and Sherman fans in the house today. I'm shocked. Like it's such a popular show, right? Um, it, it's, it's something that originated in that show where they would travel back in time to different locations. Um, but it's actually not just that. There's an actual thing nowadays called the Wayback Machine. If you go online, you do a Google search, you'll find it. 
Basically what it is, it's an internet archive. It's an online digital library. Get this, it houses over 580 billion with a B web pages. That's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot of information. That is a lot of content. Now, the crazy thing about it, the thing that separates it so much, because you would think to yourself, well, I mean, so what? Google has access to billions of web pages. What makes this so different? The thing about the Wayback Machine is what it does is it stores and it houses the original source code of just about every website you can imagine. So the original thing. So it will store that and it will keep it on its site. And so it takes almost a snapshot of what that page looked like in that moment. People have posted old school uh, pictures, uh, a snapshot of like what the Space Jam original movie uh, website looked like back in the day. It's hilarious, like all these little clip art things all over the place. It looks terrible. Um, but it's, it's the actual original web page saved exactly what it looked like, and it stores these things over and over again. So if you ever heard anybody talk about, hey, be careful what you post online, it lives forever, they're talking about the Wayback Machine. The Wayback Machine houses all this stuff. It keeps all of it, it, it stores it, it archives it, and it doesn't go away. Now, the thing about the Wayback Machine is on one hand, it can be fun. Like you can go look at the old Space Jam website. You can go look at MySpace back in the day. You can do all those kind of things. That's fun. But then there's a dark side to it too, a, a not so fun side. Sometimes it's, uh, it's illuminating, but it can be devastating. People will use the Wayback Machine. Uh, everyone's heard about cancel culture. Um, you can use the Wayback Machine to find dirt on people, Political opponents, you can find it on them. Uh, Celebrities, you can find what they said back in the day on an old blog post or something like that. Athletes, there is is no person who hasn't been affected by this if it's a a well-known person, whether a celebrity, an athlete, a politician, anybody. The Wayback Machine, this idea of going back and seeing what they've done, said, thought, it can be pulled up and used against them. In fact, right now, right now, I just was on Twitter uh, uh, late last night and saw there's an athlete who they're trying to drag up her old tweets um, to, to cancel her, essentially, right? There's an athlete uh, who, who they're trying to bring up stuff from like 2010, 2011 to like say, hey, she shouldn't be able to compete uh, in the Olympics anymore. She shouldn't be able to do this because of what she said back then. And that's the thing about the Wayback Machine. Man, it doesn't matter when you said it. It's only that you said it. <laughs> It doesn't matter if you've evolved. It doesn't matter if you've changed as a person. It doesn't matter if you've made amends. None of that matters. Because essentially, people will dive back into the Wayback Machine, find what you said or did or thought, and say, this is you. This defines you. (laughs) Your past is you. So again, I ask, who are you? Who are you? You, who are we? What defines us? Well, it's very clear what the enemy wants, what the devil wants. The devil clearly wants our past to define us. In fact, he has created his own way back machine. And everything we've ever thought, everything we've ever said, every hurt we've ever made, all of that is saved, stored, and cataloged in a very easy to bring back up way so that at any given moment, it can pop back up and we can take a trip on the Wayback Machine. We can see exactly where we've been. We can see exactly who we've hurt, what we've done, what we've said, and it never goes away. The enemy wants the Wayback Machine to tell us our 
identity, to just lay out there for us. These are your sins. These are your regrets. These are your dysfunctions. And what happens if we end up giving into that, if we end up playing with the Wayback Machine and we allow the enemy to just keep bringing these things up and to define us, what ends up happening is we'll feel like Jesus can't really forgive us or, and this is, this is just as dangerous, we'll feel like he can forgive us, but we're too damaged to be of any good to him, right? They're like, no, Jesus can forgive me. I believe that Jesus forgives me, but man, I can't volunteer at a church. You know, you know who I've hurt. You know how I've been. You, I, I, can't, I can't volunteer here. I can't be on a worship team because of where I've been and what I've done and what I've said. No, I can't serve on the tech team because of who I am. I can't do any of these things. I can't help. I am too damaged to do anything. A life dominated by the past produces a defeated present. A life that is just so dominated by the past, all it produces is a present where we're just defeated. And we're like, well, I'm saved that's it. <laughs> but I can't really do anything because I'm not a good person. I can't really volunteer anywhere. I can't really serve. I can't really help people. My purpose is gone because of who I've been in my past. Now, this is what I want to say, and just bear with me on this. Um, the Wayback Machine. So you may be thinking, okay, so we know it's bad. <laughs> we know it's insidious. If we think this way, it won't lead anywhere good. So how do we destroy it? Here's the kind of bad news. You can't. Guys, happy you came to church today? Man, uplifting, motivational, just inspirational. You guys are going to come out of here today. Man, my past sucks, and there's nothing I can do about it. Just feel great, right? Um, but no, this is the thing. You, you, can't, you can't, like, do anything to get rid of it. That's why this series is not called Destroy the Way Back. <laughs> you can't. Like, your, your past is past. Your past is set. It's already been done. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but Back to the Future lied to you. <laughs> like, you can't, you can't hop in a DeLorean and go back and change things. Like, that is not how it works. You can't do that. Whatever has happened has happened, and it's set. The Wayback Machine never goes away, but it can be hacked. So we can't destroy it. We can't get rid of it. We can't act like our past hasn't happened. The past is set, but we can hack it. So today and in the coming weeks, we're not going to learn how to erase our past. We're not going to learn how to like, oh, all those hurtful things I said to people, I can just act like that never happened. That's perfect. No, and we're going to talk about reconciliation and all those things in the coming weeks, uh, uh, but, but we can't do that. We can't act as if these things just live back there and, and we can just destroy them and erase them and act like they never happened. No, they did. We can't erase our past, but we can see it in a new light. We can see it in a new light. So today we're going to be in Scripture. If you have your Bible and want to follow along, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 16. I want to encourage you, if you don't have a, a physical Bible and want one, man, come talk to us at the Welcome Center. We'll get you a physical Bible. Um, but if you don't uh, and you got your phone, you can download a Bible app. Those are fantastic. That's where I take a lot of my notes on. Um, but I would encourage you to get it to read along. This is what it says in Matthew chapter 16. We're going to read one of the most famous accounts in all of Scripture, this is a little way into Jesus' ministry. Uh, his followers are with him. They're traveling through a town. And Jesus poses a question to his followers, and it's the same question that he asks us. This question leaps off the pages, and he asks it of us here 2,000 years later. And this is where we pick up Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man 
is. They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So Jesus is asking his followers, hey, what's the word on the street about me? Like, what are people saying about me? Who are they saying that I am? So they tell him this, and then in verse 15, Jesus asks this question that he asked to us as well. But what about you, Jesus asked? Who do you say I am? That's the most important question we'll ever answer in our lives. One of Jesus' friends, Simon Peter, answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. So Jesus replied to him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Jesus is saying, this is not something you would realize on your own. This is a revelation. This is God revealing something to you. And I tell you that you are Peter. So Jesus in this moment, he completely renames Peter, or Simon, gives him a new name, the name Peter, which means rock. And Jesus says, and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell will not overcome it. What Jesus is saying in this moment is he's not saying I'm going to build my church on Peter. What he's saying is, Peter, this declaration that you've made, this revelation about who I really am, my true identity, who I am, that is so foundational. That is so earth-shattering. It's going to change everything. And on that truth, I'm going to build my church. And nothing will be able to stop it. Not a single thing, no matter what dictators come, what empires come, nothing will be able to stop it. Isn't that amazing? And we are living evidence of that. The fact that we are still here today, 2,000 years later, is evidence of Jesus' claim that he will build his church and nothing will be able to stop it. Uh, one thing that I love in here, and this, this kind of frames uh, where we're at talking about our past. One thing I love is the, the question that Jesus asks here. And I think that it's a, an appropriate and proper question for us to have as we look at our past. I asked you at the beginning uh, who are you, right, who are you? Uh, the appropriate question, the proper question, if we want to deal with our pa uh, past in a healthy way, it is not who are you, but who is Jesus, right? Like that's, that's the thing that we need to be asking when it comes to our past, not who am I, not what have I done, not where have I been, not what have I said, but who is Jesus? Who do you say that he is because what the Wayback Machine wants to do and what the devil wants to do is to have you so focused on you, on your past, on your words, on the hurts you caused, on the hurts you felt. He wants you to be so focused on you that you lose sight of who truly matters, Jesus. He doesn't even want you to bother with the question, who is Jesus? He's, he's like, no, 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 don't worry about that. Just focus on who you were, <laughs> Focus on where you've been and what you have done. He wants us to be asking the wrong question. Has anyone ever been on a, a bad date before? A bad date? Oh, come on. That's it? All right. If you're not raising your hand, chances are it's because you were the bad date. You're, you're like, oh, no, it's all been great. All these my dates have been awesome. It's you. <laughs> um, no, if you've ever been on a bad date, there, there's a lot of different telltale signs that things are kind of going bad. But I'll tell you, the, the number one, and you can, you can look this up, probably the number one sign that a date is going to go bad is if from the start, the person you're on a date with is just talking about themselves. That's usually a pretty telltale sign that this is not going to go anywhere good. If, if the whole conversation is geared about who am I, let me just tell you about I, who I am. And they just start spilling it all out. Because 
the sign of a good date, the sign of a date that is uh, intriguing and you want to invest in, you want to learn about, is you're asking the other person, who are you? And you're, you're finding out about them and they're finding out about, right? That, that's how you want it to be. You want to be diving in and asking the right question rather than just, oh, no, this is, let me just tell you about me. Let me just talk about myself the whole night. You see, if you ask the wrong question, it completely ruins and destroys the date. And the same thing happens whenever we look at our past if we are asking the wrong question. If we look to our past and we're asking, man, who am I because of this? That is the wrong question and it will lead us to wrong answers every single time. We need to look at our past and say, no, 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 it's not who am I, it's who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Who is he? Is he who he actually claims to be? Not who am I, but who is he? The enemy is so focused on getting us to be self-focused. That's all he wants. He just wants us to be so self-focused, to dive into the Wayback Machine, and to just be uh, uh, consumed with where we've been, consumed with our past. We have got to realize our past is not about us. It's about Jesus. Because if we focus on ourselves, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I have been here. I've been here. If you focus on yourself, if you hop on the way back machine and you focus on yourself and your past, it will define you. It will define you. I promise you, your past will start to define you. You will start to be uh, attaching your identity to who you've been in the past. It will just kill you with shame and regret. Man, and this is how it always happens, isn't it? The way back machine always wants to kick in for me in three places. I'll, I'll tell you mine. When I'm driving, when I'm in the shower, when I try to go to sleep. Anybody else, right? Anybody online, anybody else? Th- those are, when those three things happen, the second that car engine turns on, the second the shower faucet starts coming out, the, the, the second I lay my head on the pillow, it's like you can hear, whoop, way back machine booting up. Like instantly, <laughs> it's crazy. And all, all I hear from that moment on is, and, and stuff from years ago will come up. Stuff from years ago, stuff that I thought I was over, stuff that I thought I had dealt with will come back up into my head. It's like someone just pulled up a web page and boom, there it is. Man, why did I say that? Whoop, man, why did I do that to them? Whoop, man, why did I not trust God in that way? All these different things and they snowball. One leads to another and that leads to another and that leads to another. And before I know it, I am so filled with shame and I'm so filled with regret and going like, man, I'm a, I'm a bad person. <laughs> Man, I'm a coward. Why didn't I say that? Why didn't I stand up for that person? Man, I'm, I'm overbearing. Why did I just throw my weight around in that situation? That is exactly what the devil wants. He wants you to be so focused on yourself, so focused on who your past tells you that you are, that it becomes your identity. He wants you to feel awful. We just talked about it last week. In our last week of emojis, the devil is a, he's walking around like a lion looking for someone to devour. And he knows, man, if I can get you so focused on your past, you will devour yourself. You'll take yourself down. You'll feel awful and you will allow it to define you. But here's the thing, and this is what we have got to so just latch on to and remember, is that no one, no one, including your past, gets to define you. Nobody. No one gets to define you, including your past. I love that Jesus, how he responded to these questions. He didn't even really acknowledge the responses, right? He he asked his disciples, hey, who are people saying that I am? 
They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. You notice Jesus didn't even spend time rebutting any of those. He didn't even spend a second being like, man, people think I'm like Jeremiah. Do they think I'm one of these prophets resurrected? Or He didn't spend a second worried about what other people thought of him because Jesus knows something that we need to know, that no one, no one, no one gets to define us except God. No one, including our own past. And I want to let you know today that your past has an opinion about you. (laughs) Your past has an opinion and it will try to tell you who you are. It'll try to tell you the kind of son that you've been, the kind of husband you've been, the kind of daughter you've been, the kind of boss you've been, the kind of employee you've been. Your past will try to tell you you've been a failure, that you've been a success, right? It'll also try to build you up in improper ways. Your past will try to define you and tell you who you are. It will try to label you. Your past will try to label you and tell you who you are. And as we're talking about that, it makes me think the Cleveland Indians, I I love them, they're my, my hometown team, they're in the process right now of looking for a new name. They're looking for a new name. Um, I just saw an article, which I can't even believe that this is real. They've got uh, like a thousand, I think they said a little over a thousand options that they're looking at right, right now, which I, I would love to see that list. I can only imagine. If you've got a thousand, there's some pretty terrible names on there, right? Um, but there is, there's an online debate going on, especially on Twitter, about what their name should be. I mean, this is a very historic franchise. This isn't some expansion team that came around 10, 20 years ago, like they're, they're one of the foundational American League baseball clubs. And so you're trying to think like, man, we have got to come up with a good name for them. It's got to be a strong one. There's a lot of contenders right now. There's um, the Cleveland Spiders because at one period of time they were called the Spiders. Um, the Cleveland Guardians because the Guardians of Traffic, those two are really iconic uh, uh, statues in Cleveland uh, uh, by the bridge right there by the ballpark. Um, the Cleveland Municipals, um, that's one that I like. I'm reading a little bit on the history of it and stuff. Uh, the Cleveland Buckeyes paying homage to the uh, uh, Negro League team. There, there's so many really good names, um, but man, people are like amped about it. Like every time someone posts a, a new picture of like a mock-up that they made saying this is this is my idea, I'm a graphic designer, this is what the jersey would look like if we were called the Spiders, and then instantly down the comments, Spiders is the stupidest name ever, you should delete this post. And the next person, I agree, it's terrible, it should be the Municipals. Municipals is awful, it should, that, that shouldn't be it either. It's like, people are just so hyped about this, and I gotta be honest, I'm kind of in on it too, because I'm like, <laughs> I love this team, I don't want to be chanting for a stupid name, right? Like. A, Go spiders or something. I don't know. It just seems weird. Um, so I'm, I'm invested too, right? Like I'm invested too in this. But you know what's funny? All these people, all these keyboard warriors at home like me who are typing in on this, we don't get a say in it. Like they say that they're talking to a focus group. They say, yeah, yeah, yeah. no. That the Dolan family, the people who own the team, they're going to decide whatever name they feel is best. Whatever name they feel is most marketable, whatever name they feel like uh, resembles uh, uh, the club and the city the best, like they're going to decide that and it's up to them. You know why? <laughs> it's real simple. They own the team. It's not a trick question. They own the team. They paid millions of dollars to be able to own that team, name that team, all of that. that they get to make that decision. So they get to label the team because they own the team. 
They get to label the team because they paid for the team. I trust that you are tracking with me. So the enemy, whenever he tries to bring up the Wayback Machine and say, hey, look, this is who you are. <laughs> this is who you are. This is what you've done in your past. This is the stuff you've said to other people. This is the way you've let God down. You've let your family down, let friends down. This is who you are. I want to tell you, whenever you feel that, whenever you feel the enemy, in it, and it's in different ways. Maybe it's something someone says. Maybe it's just thoughts you're having. Whenever you feel that, I'm not kidding. I want you to say this out loud. I want you to declare this and believe it to be true because it is. Whenever you feel that, like someone is trying to label you or put you into a corner or tell you this is who you are, just simply say, hey, you're entitled to your opinion and I am entitled to ignore it. You are, you know what? You can, absolutely, you're entitled to your opinion. Go right ahead. Try to say that this defines me and this says who I am. You can have that opinion and I am also entitled to ignore it. I'm entitled to ignore it because there is only one person who gets to label me. There's only one person who gets to label me, who gets to name me, and it's the person who owns me. It's not just random people with criticisms and opinions on their own. No, no, no. I have been purchased. I've been bought at a high cost, and that is the only person who gets to name me. Jesus paid it all, so that means no one and no thing, including your past, gets to claim you or label you. Only Jesus. Now, I'm going to be completely honest, that should still kind of scare you, <laughs> right? Because, I mean, think about it logically, okay? Let's think about this logically. The only person who gets to judge me, the only person who gets to label me, the only person who gets to name me is the only perfect being in existence. <laughs> that should cause a little bit of like, ooh, okay, maybe I want other people to be my judge, Right? Because if, if my judge is my father-in-law that I don't really like and he's a drunk anyways, I can ignore it. Who cares about your label you put on me? I don't got to listen to that. If it's my friend who she's a hot mess all the time and she's trying to tell me that I'm crazy, well, I mean, have you looked in the mirror recently? You're the one who's a hot mess. You're the one who goes from relationship to relationship. So in some ways... The labels that other people put on us, the, the, the way they try to point to our past, in some ways, it is kind of easier to deal with that because we can shrug it off. We can act like it doesn't matter, like their opinion doesn't count. And yeah, to a degree, it doesn't. But Jesus's does. God's opinion does. And so if we're tracking along the right way and we realize, wow, the only person who can truly name me, claim me, and judge me is perfect and is holy. That should instill fear in us, the, the appropriate kind of fear, what Scripture calls the, the, the fear of the Lord, which is understanding and having an appropriate view of who God is and who you are. That's what it means to fear the Lord, not being scared of him, but realizing, wow, he is that otherworldly, like he is that different than me. There, there is no similarity here. He is that perfect. He's that amazing. And whenever we realize that, it should instill that appropriate, healthy fear in the back of our mind, especially whenever we know not only is he perfect, but man, he knows our way back machine. He knows. No one else knows, but he knows, right? I mean, even, let, can, we, can we just be real? And I don't, I don't want to feel bad if, if you've told your testimony here at church before. I'm not putting it down at all. That's amazing. That's what scripture says. It's one of the ways we overcome the enemy is through the word of our testimony. So I'm not putting it down at all, but this includes me, my own testimony. 
The most I have shared with you is the PG-13 rated version of my testimony, right? And I'm not saying that because like, well, I've secretly murdered a few people and I'm not telling you guys about, it's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> what I'm talking about is the thoughts I've had, the just hurtful words that I never said, I've never said them to anybody else, but I've thought them, I've meditated on them, I've thought of comebacks that would just tear somebody else down, right? Like I know all of that. I know all of that. I don't know just the PG-13 TBS edited for TV version of my testimony, man. I know the gritty Spike Lee version of my testimony, right? Like I know, I know the gritty reboot of my testimony. I know that version. And so that causes me a little bit more awe towards Jesus. <laughs> that causes me to be like, wow, because I get these people like me, but they've heard the cleaned up version. Man, he loves me and he knows everything. Like there is not a single thing I've thought that has been hidden from him. As Pastor Donnie said during communion, he knows every single thought, every single word, every single action, even if it has gone unuttered. He knows it. And in the midst of that, he loves us. In the midst of that, he forgives us. And that right there is why if nobody else worships God, you have to. No, everyone else can sit on their hands, they can twiddle their thumbs, they cannot give a rip about God, but you can't because you know exactly what you've been forgiven from. You know what's in your way back machine. You know all those pages that have been stored of all the crap you've done and said and thought. You know it, and you know he knows it, and you know that he still went to the cross for you. You know he still loves you. Man, that, that is life-changing. When you truly realize that, whenever you truly realize, holy cow, he knows everything. And it doesn't change the way he feels about me. That is life-changing. That is the heart of the gospel. That's the heart of the gospel that despite everything that shows up on our way back machine, Jesus still loves us. And because he loves us, this is what's so beautiful about it. And this, this is what we, we celebrate here at church. Because of that, that means my identity, it, it doesn't hinge on my past. It hinges on his pronouncement of who I am. So my past doesn't get to define me and label me, but what he pronounces to be true does. What he calls me does. Whenever, uh, whenever I do weddings, that's the part of the ceremony that's called the pronouncement. It's like the, the ending, right? It's right before uh, uh, the bridal party recedes back out the uh, main aisle. The pronouncement, whenever I talk to the couple about it, they're always like, what is that? And I'm like, well, it's basically like a, a summary of the whole ceremony. Like you, you say everything that's happened. You say, uh, so as much as, uh, I'll take the couple that I just did. I did a wedding for Mark and Beth. Um, I'll say, so uh, as much as Mark and Beth have consented together to uh, join together in holy wedlock and have exchanged uh, uh, vows to one another and have exchanged rings to one another, by the power vested in me, I declare them husband and wife. Uh, uh, so that, that's what the pronouncement is, right? I'm, I'm saying that because I have authority, because I have power granted to me in this religious ceremony uh, by God, I am pronouncing them husband and wife. I am giving them this title. I am labeling them. And what they're saying whenever they enter into this kind of uh, marriage covenant, especially in a religious sense, what they're saying is we are waiting on this moment, this pronouncement to say we are husband and wife, right? 
That's what Mark and Beth were saying. They're like, we know that the government's already issued us something, but in this religious ceremony, we're waiting on God's approval. We're waiting on God to say that we are husband and wife. Because what they're acknowledging and what we need to acknowledge in our own lives is that our past doesn't define us. Well, like, like they, they've, been, they've been dating for a long time. They're engaged for a long time. They've, they, you know, they got their wedding uh, certificate. They did all these things, and they're saying, yeah, 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 but all of those things in our past, that doesn't name us. God does. So until that pronouncement comes, we're not husband and wife. Until that pronouncement comes, we are not officially th- this new title. And I want to let you know your past in the same way, your past experiences, man, they do not define you. Who Jesus pronounces you to be That is what defines you. That's what defines you. That's what labels you. That's what names you. And that's why we we talk today about not needing to destroy the Wayback Machine, but instead hack the Wayback Machine because we don't need to destroy it. And this is what's so amazing about God, the way he works things out. This is what's so amazing about his plan and his will is the weapon that the enemy devised to be our greatest downfall to be the thing that causes the most shame and guilt in our life, the way back machine, this, this idea of digging back into your past, what was intended for evil and shame and guilt, God says, I'm not going to destroy it. No, 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 no. I'm going to hack it. <laughs> I'm going to take what the enemy meant for evil, and I'm going to use it for good. So instead of this being something, your past, that you have to run from, And you have to try to get away from because you're so humiliated and and shame-filled. Instead, you don't have to try to erase your past. You can embrace the heck out of it. Because now it doesn't induce shame. It induces awe of who Jesus is. It doesn't induce guilt. It induces gratefulness. Because you're like, oh, my goodness. I I used to look at my past and just, like, hate myself and be like, man, why did I do these things? And I feel so awkward and feel embarrassed. But, man, now I look at my past and I just see what I have been saved from how different I am now, how much God loves me that despite all that, he still went to the cross for me. You see, we can hack the Wayback Machine and turn what the devil thought would be his greatest triumph, what he thought would be the, the, the game changer, the thing that would end us and take us out, and God has used it for good. He's used it for good. So if you are someone who has felt like you've had to run from your past, even after being saved, even after starting in a relationship with Jesus, you feel like, you can't allow yourself to even think about where you've been. I want to let you know you do not have to run anymore. You don't have to run anymore. You can embrace where you have been, knowing exactly what Jesus has saved you from, knowing exactly how much you have changed, and exactly how much he loves you. You can hack the way back machine, and you can completely turn the devil's greatest weapon on its head. I want to pray with you real quick, all right? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your promise. You told us that if we confess our sins, that you would be faithful and just and that you would forgive us our sins and that you would purify us from all unrighteousness. God, the hard thing is sometimes it's easy to forget that. We can get so caught up in our past, so caught up in checking out the Wayback Machine to see where we've been and what we've done and what we've said that we don't feel like we've been cleansed. We don't feel like we've been purified. We don't feel like we're a new creation anymore. So God, help us today to not try to destroy or erase our past, but to embrace it, to see it for what it actually is, 
the thing that you saved us from, the thing that in spite of it, you loved us so much, you died the humble death of a servant, the death on a cross. You took that for us. God, your love for us is so amazing. It's so incredible. Help us to live in awe of that every single day. Help our past to push us towards you because we are so overcome with gratefulness and gratitude and thanksgiving for who you are and for what you've done for us, that it would change us, God. And help us to do the same in our relationships and the people around us, that we would so exemplify you, that we would not hold the past over people's heads, that we would not uh, uh, hold grudges and hold bitterness and resentment in our heart, but that we would model you, that we would forgive and that we would look past the past in the same way that our Heavenly Father does for us. We love you, Jesus. Help this word today to transform our hearts and our minds as we apply it in our lives. And we'll give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise that you and you alone deserve. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.